Yes, hello, welcome to Proverbs Submissions Live. It's uh, an old school edition today with two guests who will be instantly familiar to regular viewers. Indeed, two people who go right back to the beginning of Litopia itself. And that's more years ago than I care to remember. So please welcome author of Kings of a Dead World, it's Jamie Mollett. Absolutely. Yeah. And some people tune in to pop-ups just to hear her euphonious narration. <laughs> it's author and narrator, Ali Gardner. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so now for a very important message. And that was my first cock of the day. Very nice. It's not actually one I wanted to talk about at all. What I wanted to talk about back here is Craft Chat. Um, craft Chat is something that happens every month, and this month's Craft Chat Inside the Colony is all about building your antagonist. All right? As an author, this could be the best return on your time investment you ever make. It's seriously concentrated, great advice that you won't find anywhere else. And you have until midnight tonight to take part, so please don't delay. Now we're going to rush straight on to our first submission of the day. We've got five fine submissions. The first one comes from Dan, Dan Auckland. Oh, hello, Dan. A Taiwan indeed. I wonder what time of day it is there. Um, oh, you've got an alternative title, have you? Do or die time. That's interesting. Mm. I had some thoughts about the title, actually, but I'm going to save that for the moment. It's commercial fiction, and this is Dan's blurb. Empty talk and broken promises. A world in environmental, societal and cultural collapse sounds familiar biodiversity crashing extreme weather events mass migration triggering more ethnic conflict pandemics resource wars and a seeming inability to grapple with the really big questions plaguing the contemporary world are zeroing in to kill off the human species nice optimistic title is this uplet um, the world needs shock therapy enter the children of the g8 leaders can they change the course of history? Well, I'm interested. Can you tell everybody about Dan? It's midnight, isn't it? <laughs> We're out with you. Um, I self-published a novel, says Dan Hanley Law, two years ago, historical fiction set at the end of World War II, from the perspective of a young German girl fleeing the Soviets and death. I am a depressive uh, who finds solace and love in the eyes of my three children and my tolerant wife. I want to express a hope to the world through my writing. Good. I'm scared, as we all should be. My novel blends together the three aspects of life I love the most, family, nature and philosophy. I've been a commis de rang in a five-star Swiss hotel. I'm not sure what that is, actually. I asked a commis chef, I know that. Commis de rang, I don't know. Um, hotel, uh, a translator in London, Russian to English. Hmm. A start-up business, a cram school, co-owner in Taipei. Certified teacher, college lecturer, high school teacher. Fundraiser for Amnesty International and plenty in between. Wow, that's fabulous experience for writing. And this is going to be a fabulous reading from Robert. Sacrifice by Dan 
read by Robert. The torrent persisted. A khaki-glad group in expensive garb was perched on top of the gently swaying Gelgel, a Gambian 12-seater bush taxi, colourful, usually dirt-covered and overladen. This one, until recently spotless with working seatbelts, had been sequestered for the group. An armed undercover agent acted as their driver. The gushing river was now violently lapping at the tyres. Some held hands. All were trembling. All were silent. No prayers were uttered. A body, eyes already eaten out, one leg gone, appeared to dance over the swirling mix of froth and spume. They looked like a white, cosy, feathered nest, an ugly betrayal of the truth. Another body, this one so warped and distended it was impossible to tell if it were human, bobbed past, contorted and doubled up, crushed. Bleating livestock trilled and squealed in the deathly madness. A mother, her infant child still wrapped tightly to her back, bamboo style, commonly used in the Gambia, floated by. One of the onlookers heard the infant's cry through the cacophony of the chaos, but she but knew she could do nothing. She watched, aghast as the still-living infant was swept away. Amid the stench, two of the young adults perched atop the taxi. Eddie and Amy wet their pants. Their urine ran down the windows of the taxi. A new kind of car wash, Gunter murmured. Hopefully you won't need us to wax it. With our feces? I presume that's your meaning. Eddie shot back at his diminutive but older friend. Gunter chuckled and winked. Eddie lifted his derriere and let out a squeaker in Gunter's direction. Dear boy, he smiled, we in England have a little more decorum than that. You hypocritical English, Gunter said with a smirk. Saya, the only Asian in the group, tall and muscular, began to tap the metal roof and hum. Come, some of the work kind of gets hard. This ain't no place to be, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you, it's always cool. And the boss don't mind, sometimes you've act the fool. At the car wash. <laughs> Those who knew the lyrics joined in for the chorus. Those who didn't kept the beat. For a moment, the soaking, bedraggled, terrified huddle was transported to happier times. It was eight hours before the group felt it safe to descend and plan their return. What they experienced was stamped into their consciousness for good. There were no tears, but plenty of retching on empty stomachs. None would be the same again. They wandered through a maze of destruction, searching for signs of life and civilization. Civilization, what a word. Most people were no longer civil, and most of the world's population lived hand to mouth. It looked like the world had been turned upside down, violently shaken and then stamped on. Some nightmare conjured by Eris, replete with carnage and blood. Unexpected and impossible to tame, the double hit reduced this peaceful nation to one reliant on aid and neighbours acceptance. In essence, the Gambia ceased to exist. The helicopters intended to evacuate the volunteer dignitaries were grounded after the lead helicopter lost control and plummeted into the city, killing all on board. Chapter 1. Is this a joke? He glanced at his vintage Marconi wristwatch, a family heirloom. It had stopped. All three hands were still, dead, inert, ambivalent. For a moment, he thought he caught sight of one hand shuddering to life. But no, it was a death throw, a beat out of time. His stomach turned. 
yet it was not his nerves. He had been in such circumstances many times, perhaps too many. For a moment he imagined the wind against his forehead, sweat dripping down from his brow, mildly aching legs, cold, fresh air, an army of good feelings. Alas, no. He was next up, second to last. He bit his lip and approached the lectern amid polite applause. Steve Ackland from CBC. Prime Minister, are you satisfied with the outcome of your discussions? Oliver cursorily glanced over his shoulder at his fellow G8 leaders. They were all glibly smiling, apart from the standout Italian Prime Minister, who seemed deeply engaged in the contemplation of the parquet floor, his emerald eyes boring into an unlabeled point. The smiles of the others looked like they were all attending a masquerade ball, set and false. Jokers all. Let's go straight to the genius room and see what they are saying. Um, of course, this is dystopia, so I think we're going to get an interesting uh, input there from uh, Jamie, who's written dystopian fiction. Um, so uh, Chantal says, I've just got here and we're talking about undergarments. Are we? <laughs> I feel so excluded. Um, blurb a bit crowded, says Hannah. Got interesting at the end. Yeah. Uh, Vicky prefers the second option title. Thank you very much for that, Dan. So we, we've got a second title in any case. Uh, a Vagabond likes that too. She prefers the second one. Andy, blurb got interesting in the last two sentences. I seriously clipped the rest. Kids of the GA is a good hook, though. I think it is too. Yes, I like that. Second title better, says James. General agreement, I think, about that. Um, formatting Vicky picks on and I think that's true it's very very dull formatting there actually I can go on about that if you want me to but you know people probably don't at the moment um, good scene setting I think this sums it up for me the Chantal's comment good scene setting no character connection I think that's absolutely right for me and what else have we got kind of relentlessly grim opening says Johnny um, bit gut churning Hannah says I'm not being given anyone to invest in to keep me reading yeah not getting the story yet says Vagabond um, yeah decent writing but not engaging me rather a bit too grim for a prologue says David thank you very much so yeah Jamie this is your your born you yeah, this is this is my 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 thing. Um, I so I'm a member of the Climate Fiction Writers League, and I oh, right. uh, allegedly written a um, a Clifford book. So um, yeah, this is my this is my this is my thing. Um, I think this good blurb. I did like you. I really like the idea of the, the kids from the from the GA, and I think that's a, quite original, which is mm. unusual nowadays. Mm. Um, what did confuse me though is generally if you have kids as the protagonists, it's a YA novel. And this, from what I've heard, is definitely not the YA novel. Like the, yeah. the first, the first few, the, like the first paragraph was grim. I mean, I thought it was a really strong first paragraph. It, it's, it, yeah, it would, it would stick with me. Um, I think the problem I had with it most of all is that when you, in the first couple of pages, you need to know where you are, who you are, what's going to happen, and give you a reason to to keep reading. And I'm still not quite. I know we're in the Gambia, but I'm not sure when. Or, or, or what's happening particularly, and I don't know who, who the protagonists are, so I feel mm. a bit lost as, as, a, as a reader. But that said, I think there's, I think you can definitely write. There's some really strong, strong writing in there, and I really like the blurb. And I think there's probably a really good idea in there. Um, I just don't know who is telling me the story yet, which makes yeah. me feel a bit, yeah, absolutely combobulated. Exactly, um, Ali. 
Uh, I absolutely agree. I, I sort of felt that I was I was almost watching it from a distance, like I was watching through a pair of binoculars. I didn't feel emotionally mm. invested in it at all. And I almost felt I was being sort of slapped around the face with this horror. You know, I, I didn't see any reason to continue. As I say, I wasn't invested. It's a sort of, why do I care? Why should I? And, and I agree. I didn't know where I was. I think the Gambia actually came up at the end of the piece, if I remember rightly. I didn't know where I was and, yeah. and what was really happening. Um, there was some odd grammatical stuff in the use of some of the speech tags. Um, and I felt a lot of it was incongruous. I and mean, we had, you know, a baby being ripped away and bits of dead bodies, and then they all sat and sang. You know, and I know, yeah. yes, you do sometimes need to, but it just seemed a very quick switch from disaster to, oh, let's have a sing along. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, definitely. I. I um, I wasn't emotionally invested in it, and I agree. There, there should have been a character. I should have known where it was going with this. So, yeah. I did like the concept of the G8 kids. That, yeah. I mean, the blurb didn't attract me until that moment, that, that final line. Yeah. That I thought, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm going big on that. In fact, I'm going to... <laughs> yes, this is a very important pronouncement coming up right. And this is uh, for you, Dan. Do it as YA. Just do it as YA. I don't know why you don't want to do that. So, I mean, maybe you do, but to me, it's screaming out for, for YA. Kids will, will really like it. Um, and I could see it, you know, uh, really doing well, actually. So do it as YA. Um, I've got one or two other comments as well. I like the pace. Um, it's quite impressionistic, all these, these things happening. I think that's, that's some of the best writing there. I don't like the characters. They're very crudely drawn. And you've just said live on YouTube that you've, there are 11 characters and each one gets a chapter. That depresses me no end. I think that's incredibly hard to pull off, especially for a new writer, aspiring writer. You know, just, just deal with one protagonist, you know, to begin with. That's hard enough to make them, you know, come alive off the page. But 11, I, I don't know. If, I, I don't think that's doable, really. Um, the uh, One or two people have, have mentioned the the preface, the prologue. Um, I'm, I'm very um, tempted to start lecturing about prologues, but I'm not going to. I'm going to resist that temptation. But prologues almost all the time. We do see occasional prologues that really do work here, but almost all the time. You know, just forget about the prologue and just start writing. Because you've got to start the book twice if you write a prologue. Starting it once is hard enough. Twice, I don't know. But um, let's look at the uh, the numbers you've got so far. Oh, that's all right. I mean, that's a pretty decent start, actually, Dan. So, yeah. Chantal says, my 12-year-old would love this. I think so. I think you, you're onto something here, actually, Dan. So there's a bit of major surgery got to be done, I think, to reorientate it. But I would seriously encourage you to do that. And, I hey, think, um, I would have a look at the, the Climate Fiction Writers League, Dan, because there's quite a few YA authors in that who've done really, really well. Um, there's one guy who's written a book called If Not Us, which I think is a stunning title. Mm. Because it's just, it poses that question. And it's all about, and it's a, from a kid's point of view. It's a YA book from a kid's point of view. And it basically says if kids aren't going to, if adults aren't going to sort it, kids are going to sort it. And, it. and that's essentially the area that you're playing in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how do you find them? You just, you just Google them, do you? Climate Fiction Writers yeah, League? Climate, is it, is climate it? Fiction Writers, yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And can anybody join? You've got to have something uh, published. You've got to have something published yeah. in that in that area, or be a yeah. writer um, who's, yeah. Yeah, I think, an academic writer, but it's generally speaking fiction that works yeah. in the climate fiction space. Good. Excellent. Excellent advice there, Dan. Hope hope you feel happy, let us know. Um, and I think we should move on to our next... Submission. 
Here we go, submission number two. The Gospel of Satan. Hello, Nicholas. Thank you. <laughs> it's you. Yeah, it's you, Nick. And uh, we've got a QR code there. So if you'd like to scan that, go to Nick's website or wherever else he wants to send you, actually. It could be anything. It could be anything. It's literary fiction. The Gospel of Satan recounts the story of Jesus from the point of view of the devil. In a series of near misadventures unfolding across the ancient Levant, the devil, Jesus, and his 13 disciples meet with lions, lepers, prophets, prostitutes, and God himself, as they struggle to free themselves from the strictures of duty and fate. Gospel is a road trip story, a buddy novel. Easy Rider meets the Gospels. I love that. Great concept. Part picaresque, part polemic. Bertie and Jeeves. Oh, you're throwing it all in there. This is Bertie and Jeeves with something cosmic at stake. Oh, okay. Slightly kitchen sinker. You had me Easy Rider meets the Gospels. I'm not sure about Bertie and Jeeves, but anyway. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting idea. Tell everybody about you, Nicholas. My first book, Smuggler or Memoir, was an Indie Reader Discovery Award winner. A screenplay adaptation is coming out with a lit entertainment group in Hollywood. I studied poetry with Charlie Simic at the University of New Hampshire. A book-length manuscript was a finalist for the Juniper Prize, the Hudson Prize, and several others. Uh, after grad school, I published Squid Magazine in Provincetown, Ma. What's that? Maryland, I think. I'm so dumb today. I'm so dumb. Blame it on the COVID. I currently live on Windward Oahu. Ha, ah, gnarly. Uh, not the only one, actually. We have, uh, we have James as well. Uh, with my wife and daughter and a menagerie of dogs and chickens and work as a lecturer in English and as a reporter. That's great. What's going to be even greater is this reading from Martin. The Gospel of Satan by Nicholas, read by Martin. Pleased to meet you. I have one of those faces you think you've seen before, on CNN or a Ferragamo ad somewhere. Vaguely Mediterranean, hungry, ugly sexy, I believe is the expression. Actually, I appear, I appear differently to everyone, not because of any ethereal quality. I am angelic, but some earthly notion of perfection. That is how he made me, or rather made you to perceive me. As for sexy, we cherubim are famously chaste, sexless actually. O che segura de essere senza coglioni, which probably accounts for a lot. That's the first of three great secrets I'll share, our interrelation. See, we are not the same, but rather of the same, and yet the same for all that. I've gone slumming in human affairs, have lost interest in the divine. Heaven's a drag. So's hell, obviously. Either way, I'm happy. I'm here in this happy median. And I'll tell you what, my ambition is not to poach souls. Yes, I have contracts. 111, 157 as we speak. And I'm exclusive. I do not desire to destroy kings, queens, mothers, maidens, priests, well, priests is another matter, and lead singers. Christ, our only real desire was to be human, 
to live such lives as we are able to live in this great, riotous, disease-ridden world, free to participate in art and love and death and all those things we cannot do for ourselves. Why do you suppose he made you if not to escape his own hell? Now he hogs all the credit for himself. His David, his tenth. Check my IMBD. I've got a few credits, half of 70s cinema, a symphony or two, most of abstract expressionism. Give me a dirge, a messy divorce, a smash pot. How I love the human gaze, the alarm of mortal recognition, the shocked look of a schoolgirl who's turned to meet the eyes of an obvious roué. See me and turn away. You, I see, have turned back. Excellent fellow. No, I don't believe we've met. Call me Lucifer, Morning Star, less formally Satan. Yes, that very one, poacher of souls, tempter of Eve. I'm also the author of your freedom, let's not forget, without whom you'd still be puttering around Eden. But let me not stop, let me stop myself, if I have a fault. A drink? Of course, why not? I know a place. A blue note. Ah, a bar, midtown, 3pm, hour of bad ideas, broken vows, suicides. See those two down at the end? One will be dead tonight. It's true. It's true. And what would I do about it? Do you suppose it's easy to overhear the sum total of human misery, this catalogue of human sorrows crammed in one's ears? Calumny, lust, stupidity, greed, hate, and love, nobility and reason too. But I am no Greek, content to amuse myself with Greek things, nor some Jewish fantasy of retribution. I am something else entirely, which I fully intend to make you feel. And you, my excellent fellow, wait, don't tell. An accountant? In publishing? A modern tale indeed. And you want to write? More specifically, to publish your own stories. For who hasn't a tale to tell? Oh, you are a fool, my friend. Pagliaccio, buffoony, clown. And yet, I'll admit, one with courage enough to laugh in his face. No lover of literature. Why, I've seen him rage a whole day because he was slighted, unleashed tidal waves, plagues. Perhaps I am interested. Barkeep, crown, neat. Oh, what a world. And what do you want from me? A little magic with a P&L? But that's your line, isn't it? Talent, then, that can be arranged, though hardly a prerequisite. You wouldn't believe how horribly all these rock stars squawk. Jagger, Puh. plant, Puh. not a voice in the house. All it takes is a minor intervention, a dash of genius, which is really nothing more than an act of will, contrary to the usual notion of artistic inspiration. I supply that. Look, nobody wanted to listen to Robert Johnson droning on until I gave him that little turnaround. That's it. A trick is all. A gimmick. A gesture, if you prefer. Believe me, I'm no Philistine. I just get bored, then want to break the mould. Thank you very much, Martin. Great reading there. Um, let's look. I think Martin's in the... Uh in the genius room and he uh, oh, it's gone off it's scrolled off actually what a nuisance i'm gonna have to see if i can yeah we need more pages guys that's the thing um so 
scrolling way back you've got a really strong reaction to begin with here um everyone liked it they liked the concept uh johnny says nice voice here um Hannah said, uh, this kind of book needs to start with a bang rather than a strolling intro. Um, uh, Stacy says, the devil and Jesus is just the first version of Peter Pan and Captain Hook. I never knew that. That's very interesting. Um, and like the idea of this as Vagabond, wonder if the title would put potential readers off. I don't know. I, 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 I do like the, the title. Lex is going crazy. He loves the concept. Um... And Roaring with Laughter, says Lex, yeah. Uh, Chantal loves the IMDb reference. Not engaging, Vicky. Um, first person, always a bit of a high wire act, says Matt. I wonder if it could have gone a bit more bad Santa. Nice, actually, Martin. Yeah, i.e. Wimpy Devil. That would have been interesting, wouldn't it? Um, looking forward to this. I was looking forward to this, says Hannah. Obviously just in the title. Um, but I'm getting bored. This doesn't match the voice promise of the blurb. The humour is almost but not quite coming through. It's close, says Matt. Um, and Pamela says, Pamela Joe says something that I was thinking too, really, because this does not stand in isolation, does it, Nicholas? That's the thing. You've got a long and noble history of, of writing here. Well, uh, certainly, you know, predating uh, C.S. Lewis and Screwtape Letters, I'm sure. Pamela says, new Netflix series with Melissa McCarthy and Husband is pretty funny. Lucifer was pretty good. Good place. This is going to have to kick up a lot to do the theme better than those. That's right. And you do have some competition. Ali? Um, I, I enjoyed the chatty tone um, and, and I thought that was quite engaging. Um, and I like the concept. I think that an awful lot could be done with that. Um, but it literally did become a monologue. It, you yeah. know, and if somebody sat next to you on a bar and said, well, let me, you know, and then launched into this, you know, within minutes, you know, well, half a minute, you have your eyes open and think, really? The devil um, might I be actually quite boring. He might be one of those guys, actually. You know, sort of say, oh, hello. Yeah, do, you want, do, you wanna, yeah, do you want to hear what happened to me at work this week? No. <laughs> yeah, no, really, just... Oh. It's my inversion of hell, uh, you know? And, and things like all those sides, you know, it, it, it was supposed to be funny, but in fact, it just fractured the piece. You know, it was very difficult to get any feeling of flow and, and character, etc. And certainly, I mean, it did seem we were literally coming out with an archetypal Satan, weren't we? You know, bad guy, but a bit chatty, you know, I, yeah. so I don't... Um, I think I like things like where he put art and love and death all, this, all on the same level, and I thought, mm. oh, I quite like that. It's a, <laughs> you know, it's a little intro, and yeah. so I quite like bits of humour, but I do think it needed to be tightened up an awful lot so that the humour was funny and there was a story, and we really knew who this yeah. devil was that was more interesting than the, just being the devil um, to, to make this actually flow. Yeah, um, and John has just said, John Bertel has said, where is Easy Rider? Yeah, I'm wondering about that. Um, I love the uh, the blurb. Um, lots of, you're still getting good reaction. Look, I mean, you know, the Genius Room are coming out with all kinds of things. Um, Alex says, I should check in with the devil. I haven't talked to him since the late 60s, early 70s. He was busy getting Nixon at Thatcher into power. Yes, well, I think he's, he's not idle by any means at the moment, Lex. Let's put it like that. Um, I think the thing is, Nicholas, that... Um, how sustainable is this? You know, it's it, you. You got everybody. Everyone initially thought, yeah, great idea, great concept, and they they're really with you. And then, as it went on, it became a bit of a monologue, first person, of course. And uh, where is it going? You know, that's that's the thing. Love the concept, but execution is going to be challenging. Um, what did you think, Jamie? Yeah, I I, I agree with most of that. Actually, I, I agree with you. The blurb was great. 
it, the easier out of it. Brilliant. Should have stopped there. I thought that was that was a really good blurb, and that, and the thing is that was such a good good blurb that it just made me think that it was going to be it was going to be great. And I think there's some good stuff in there. And I think it's prob- first thing I think is it's not literary fiction. I think what you're presenting mm. here, the devil is easy out, is very much commercial fiction, and I would try mm. and disavow. And and a lot of the um, the overwriting that we see in the start, I think, is because the author wants to write literary fiction, but he's actually got a piece of commercial fiction in his hand. So I think if you took out all of that literary fiction stuff, you've actually got a nugget of a story. And I think it, there's a good time at the moment. It reminds me quite a lot of American Gods, Neil Gaiman sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's very similar to the Lucifer character in um, his version of Sandman, which is about to become a, a Netflix series. So he's probably just about at the right time for this sort yeah. of thing to, to do. Okay. Absolutely. Um, that said, I, I, there, it has been done before. I Lucifer by Glenn Duncan is basically this. Um, so I would read that and then go, right, I need to push myself away from this book because that... His, this version of Lucifer is effectively the version that's in I Lucifer, and mm-hmm. and if you've read, and anyone who's read it will just go, it's that. It's that. Um, that said, I think there's some really good writing in there. It's a little bit overwritten. There's some really nice little ideas and, and little tweaks in there that, that really worked, but I think needs to accept what it is mm. and go into a rewrite and go, right, this is probably quite a commercial piece. I need to go straight in and be commercial. Otherwise, you're going to have a... 300 page monologue which yes will miss the miss the boat yeah the i didn't get the beginning of any story actually did you it's sort of it's kind of you know snappy one liners um, and stuff but no mm, yeah i think i think you know you can't just you can't just exist on high concept alone you've got to have good strong structure there let's look at the numbers um you got a 65 everyone's really keen actually um yeah i, I like the title a lot i gave that good marks on the title so there you go nicholas hopefully you're, you're you're pleased with that and you've had some good advice from people and i think it's time to introduce our book of the week that's what you do you type that into your oh look there's no book there <laughs> what you see this is this is covered brain guys but there is a book there so you type that in the in your browser book.latavia.com and that's where you go to Jamie's book, Kings of the Dead World. My book. Your book, Jamie. Your book. Um, I'm going to uh, read a blurb uh, so you don't have to. The Earth's resources are dwindling. The solution is they're asleep. Inside a hibernating city, Ben struggles with his limited waking time and the disease stealing his wife from him. Watching over the sleepers, lonely Peruzzi craves the family he never knew. Everywhere, dissatisfaction is growing. The city is about to wake. What a fabulous concept. Um, you've got some great reviews and comments. How's, how's it been going since publication? Yeah, really well, really well. It's um, surprisingly so. Um, I've had, yeah, it's been great. It was it was launched in in, in the height of in the height of COVID. So uh, I, yeah. I, I oh, was, uh, did a lot of digital stuff. I'm just out now. Did, started doing some book festivals and, and stuff and talking. To people. Right. I was up in Edinburgh last week. It's fantastic. But yeah, it's going really well. Good. Um, That's very good. Yeah. Now you you were published by a smaller press, which is really the the heart and soul of publishing, Sandstone Press. Um, yeah. How how was that experience? Would you in future would you like to be published published by a, a vast international corporate monolith, or are you going to stick with small indie? I they they they're great. They're great. My uh, it's and as as you know, it's all about relationships, isn't it? My, my yeah. editor is amazing. Like I I wouldn't want to be edited by anyone else because she 
she's brilliant. We've got a really good relationship, um, and that's and I, I I know people have been published by by massive publishers and just get lost in the machine. Uh, they, you can. I know yeah, it, that's true. Wants, it might be you actually. <laughs> who told me once to, to um, might be. It's better. It's it's <laughs> it's 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 actually worse to be badly published than to not be published at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's right. And if you if you go, you can become a tiny little cog in something big, and you're and if you're and you yeah. know, you're not. You, you don't get any tension. You don't well, that is one of the ugly um, truths of publishing. Actually, that it's only really the lead titles for a major publisher get the get get the attention. It's not even the eighty twenty rule. It's more like the ninety ten rule, and um, you know. Yeah. A, a small number of books will get the vast amount of marketing budget and so on and, and the others don't and that is ultimately quite disappointing not true with the smaller smaller press sandstone no. um so if you haven't i can't imagine anyone hasn't bought your book yet but if you haven't then that's what you do this week book.litopia.com and if you're um com. here we are Where the Cricket Sings is the title of our third submission today and it's from David and I do believe hello hello David yes you're with us it's so nice to have our authors with us live looking forward to today's show especially professional opinions good vibes yes I need some good vibes today actually I'm, I'm sick poppy um, Where the Cricket Sings this is David's blurb. Lucan stands on the cliffs outside Saint-Jean-de-Luz, France, looking across to Spain, the land he's forbidden to return to under penalty of death, but knows that he will. The promise of a new life in France is short-lived when Lucan and family must move to Ireland, where the war they thought they'd left behind catches up with them. Inspired by actual characters and events, this is a story of refuge and sanctuary, love and betrayal. About David. My work as an IT consultant involves travelling in mainland Europe, sounds fun, and hence I've developed an interest in European history, especially the interwar years. I've extensively researched the period and places and visited the sites that my story covers. Um, although I write periodic articles for the Citroen Classic Car magazine, that's great. This is my first delve into fiction, and I can assure you it'll be amply um, escorted. Your delve will be well escorted by this reading from Jeff. Where the Cricket Sings by David, read by Jeff. Spain, the Basque Country, 1936. Lucan propped the butt of the label rifle against the table and placed the final end into an enamel basin on the floor. He put a kettle of hot water through a tin funnel and let it run down the inside of the barrel, washing out the dirt and residue from the last outing. He finished the clean-out by drawing a string through the barrel with a piece of flannel tied to the end. Just after sunrise, he closed the door gently behind him, paced down the grassy hill across the Egizitza valley and up into the forest. His home side of the valley was too close to turn up a decent-sized game and he needed to bag a sizable boar, or better still, a deer. After five kilometres through the mixed beech and pine forests, Lucan rested in a depression in a meadow where a group or party had seemingly been sitting around. About to move on, he picked up a spent bullet casing. Someone else had been out hunting, he thought, 
probably cut up the animal and buried the entrails in the nearby plot that had been dug up, just as he might have done himself. And yet, he rolled the spent cartridge round in the palm of his hand and closed his fingers around it. A pistol cartridge? Nobody uses a pistol for hunting. He rooted through the ground with his boots. Suspicion crept over him as he scraped away to discover a sapella, a blackberry. Immediately, the size and shape of the dugout area took on a new meaning. A shallow grave? He cast off his jacket, raking the ground with his hands. His fingertips became chaffed as his fingernails blackened by the scraping on the earth. Lucan paused for breath, sweat stripping from the tip of his nose. He looked towards the wood and listened, reassuring himself that he was alone. He pressed on. Then, staring coldly up at him, was a face he recognised. And, uh, Ibarra. Christ! He stumped upwards. Jesus, no! It can't be! No! Who could have done this? He sat on the ground unable to move with a feeling of incredulity that soon turned to helplessness. Brushing the earth from Anders' face, he thought of the man he used to play soccer with, always up for fun and a joke, someone he'd known all his life. Who would want to kill such a decent man, only a few years younger than himself? A man who others in the liberal Casa de Pueblo movement suggested might have betrayed other volunteers because of his contrary political arguments. But Lucan didn't believe that. Those squabbles were just him being difficult. He loved an argument. Lucan saw that he had been shot in the chest and the skin punctured over his left eye where he had been struck, possibly with a rifle or pistol butt. Already the smell of decaying flesh pervaded his nostrils. He put his own shirt around his head and drew the soil back over him. He picked up his rifle and jacket and hurriedly started back. Breaking the news to his father, Estevi, was going to be difficult, he thought. Even for a tough man, it had to be heart-rending at receiving the worst news of his life. He tried to think of the best way of explaining what he had found, but soon abandoned the idea, and reckoned the only way was to choose the most appropriate words at the time. He hoped, in a way, that Esteban's wife, Rosa, wouldn't be present. Although not as overtly tough as Esteban, she was a small woman, but no weakling either. He recalled her arguing with a vendor at a market stall when she'd been shortchanged, and, as a schoolteacher, she had to deal with teenage impudence. The sweat ran down his back as he hastened back home through the forest, oblivious to any wildlife or game that might cross his path. They would have to bring a car or van around the mountain, past a crow village, to recover Ander. Retrieving game was one thing, but human remains? Dangerous. Thank you very much, Jeff. Great reading. Um, so we have a lot of comments. So a lot of, I have to say, negative comments really about the the title. Um, and uh, let's. Oh, sorry. Press. Got to press the buttons, Pete. It doesn't do it by itself, does it? Um, I don't know if we've got any title comments there, but certainly you had about a dozen or so people saying. Uh, the title is too derivative. It's incredibly close to where the crawdads sing, and that's the thing. It is. It is at the moment. It's just so um, you know close to something that's culturally significant at the moment. So I think that's probably not going to work as a title. Um, Matt says I like the title. Uh, the blurb seems to be telling his two stories. Generally, that's what people are saying. Tighten the blurb a bit. Says James. Um, 
you know, Stacy says, Latopians see the title of Salt viciously hacking at their keyboards. <laughs> Not vicious, really, guys. I don't think vicious, but honesty, yes. Um, so many sprinklings of telling Stacy continues um, and not showing a party had seemingly been show us what's lying around yeah i think that's right matt likes the opening good tension hannah seems a little unperturbed by a shallow grave until he re realized who it was yeah well he thought it was a an animal didn't he and um andy said did someone say soccer no andy i don't think so that was yesterday um so i just for what it's worth my own feeling was i uh, I think I think it started really slow and distant, and one or two other people have said distant. Chantal says not not drawn in, but I actually got into it. It developed for me, um, and I could feel myself there actually. So it's, but I think it's a quiet voice. It's a quiet voice. Well, what did you think, Ali? Um, I, I entirely agree. I think there was just an awful lot of telling there. It, that we were just being. Um, given all this stuff um, and then we, when we found Anda then there was an info dump about Anda and then we were about to tell the wife Arosa um, we had an info dump about um, what who Arosa was I wondered if it should be uh, written in the first person there was an awful mm. lot said about what he was thinking and what he was believing mm. I think if that was in the first person and, and then we could actually get drawn more into what was happening um, and I think in terms of getting some empathy we really needed to save the cat moment you know we just had this character sort of tramping through and I, I know he's digging his friend out of a grave you know that's a bit save the catish but I think you know we could have done something to yeah. you know perhaps be able to know him a bit better and invest in him early on instead of having to tramp through quite all of this so, uh, yeah. so I think that would be my, my main piece of advice is, is rewriting the first part Person. yeah yeah and the 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 you know the, the main scene when he he sort of started digging and recognized yeah. the face what well, how did she got somewhere work? there yeah. we got somewhere there yeah yeah, yeah. That, did that kind of work for you or, or still not quite oh yeah no by that time I, yes I, I think that that would have drawn me in but i think all of the the sort of gun stuff and i know that's giving mm. a bit of context as it were yeah um but it really went on a bit and i think we probably could have opened with a grave so cool a Excellent. bit more interesting Thank you, Ellie. Jamie. Yeah, um, I've just written down that the first power could be he cleaned his gun and left the house, um, which I think sort of backs backs up what you've just said. But I, th um, I, I, I totally, i um, totally missed the crawl dads thing. I was, I've written down, love the title, uh, cause I, but as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. And particularly yeah, with the film coming out. I know. That's, 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 a, that's a complete no-no. But on its, on its own, I really liked it. I thought that the blurb was interesting. The thing that got me about the blurb is it didn't tell you time. It could have been, I had no idea when this was set, but from the blurb, mm. and I think that's really, it's really important to know whether you're dealing with sort of historical fiction or, or, or you know, or, or contemporary or, or, or where the historical fiction fits. And I know you get that once you start reading it, but if I'm looking at it on the shelf, I want to I know that. I thought mm. the writing itself was pretty smooth. There's a few things, there's a little bit, there's a little bit of tell and there's a, too much exp exposition in there. Um, but it had a nice tone to it, quite gentle, like you say. It was gentle. Sort of, it, and it felt, um, I would, and I, and I would have carried on reading it. I would have, I would have kept going. Um, one thing I think is if you, he, like you say, he was too distant. I think you're right, Alex. I think it's because it's the third person. I think if you find your friend's body, you're going to freak out a little bit more than that. Even if you're a soldier, like digging up, seeing your friend's face um, through mud is going to have a reaction. Um, mm stronger than that and not immediately go into what we're going to do you know and sort of practical mm. stuff so i think 
think it just it needs a bit of compression it needs a bit more close to be a bit closer to the to the action um and but i would keep i would have kept reading it i would have i would have carried on which is i would have done probably I would have the best done thing too. you can say um, yeah yeah i think that's right yeah yeah uh thank you very much jamie so now we're looking at a 59 for you david um yeah and of course jamie look for maximum uh, 100 out of 100 there for your title but in retrospect, that might come down, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Let's see how the numbers looking so far. Three submissions in two to go. And I would say Nicholas um, is comfortably in the lead, actually. That's very interesting, Nicholas. Comfortably in the lead, actually. Hmm. Let's see what submission number four looks like. Yes, it is you. <laughs> Hello, Becky. You can come out from the sofa. Actually, I'll tell you when you can come out. It'll be about five minutes. Uh, Dancing Fools and All That Jazz. Contemporary women's fiction by Becky, who is currently under her sofa. Becky Fleetwood. What do a dentist, librarian, nanny and dinner lady have in common? Their love and dance and Clarissa's dance group. Now, they're heading for the finals of the Expression Amateur Dance Competition in Paris, but the ladies are carrying more baggage than just their costumes. Can their friendship survive theft, betrayal and treachery to win the coveted prize? An affirming read, not dissimilar to Calendar Girls, set against the backdrop of Paris with the glitz and sparkle of dance. This is about Becky. Um, born a Brummy. I guess somebody's got to be, haven't they, really? Uh, I live in the northwest UK with my hubby of 40 years, where we raised our four kids. I have done all manner of jobs, from barmaid to exams officer, and a fair amount of volunteering. I currently run a thriving toddler group and the local food bank. That's worth pausing over for a moment, isn't it? Here we are, what, a uh, quarter of the way through the 21st century, and uh, the UK is reliant on food banks. Hmm. I have also been part of a ladies' amateur dance group for over 20 years. I independently published a young adult trilogy, the Chroma series, between 2016 and 2020. Lockdown then gave me the perfect opportunity to write a contemporary women's fiction. Dancing Fools and All That Jazz is an uplit, diverse tale of female friendships. The dance is for real, while the characters are my invention. And what's going to be <laughs> i think i've heard this reading already this morning it's going to be a great reading i can absolutely assure you that from our own dancing lady herself it's bev dancing fools and all that jazz by becky fleetwood read by bev chapter one monica thornton balance step to the left then to the right Midnight, la la la, sleeping. Clarissa's shrill voice is amplified by her radio mic. Her lyrics are fragmented and lag slightly behind those of Shaking Stephen's green door. She gives a flick of her hand toward me. Good evening, Monica. Damn, so much for creeping in unseen. I nod, head down. I hurriedly change into my jazz shoes. I hate being late. Ruby and I usually arrive at least 15 minutes early. We help Clarissa to set up, plug in the sound system, turn on the spotlights, the aircon, that sort of thing. Normally, Clarissa tells us how Hazel's treatment is going as we prepare the studio. 
Normally, ha, things will never be normal again. I swallow hard. Clarissa changes direction. The dance ladies behind her, clad in black leggings and the black floaty tops I designed, are reflected in the full-length wall mirrors. They follow her every move. Join us when you can, Monica. Dum-de-dum. Her tone and smile are friendly, not critical. Ruby has covered for me. Thank goodness. A sharp pain flickers across my forehead. I can still barely believe it. Ruby briefly turns my way. Her eyes say, you can do this. A nod, giving her a weak smile before joining the end of the row at the back. I quickly get into step with the others, moving with the heavy beat. Concentrate. Now, triple walks. Come on, arms up in a V. Bonnie, get your arms higher. Da, 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 da. Green, no, even higher. I glance critically at my reflection in the mirrors as we leap in unison. I'm relieved to see I look better than anticipated. The bright lights blot out some of the puffiness, so I just look a little tired, and it is not obvious I have been crying. Waterproof mascara works. Box step left, down, down, same to the right, down, 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 door, flick, kick and turn, down, down. Ruby winks at me in the mirror. She frequently impersonates Clarissa mumbles singing out of time and out of tune. In the fleeting glance, we know we are thinking the same. Ruby taking Lady C, as she has dubbed her, off to a tea. A loud snort bursts from my nose. It takes both Bonnie, who is dancing next to me, and me by surprise. I bite my lip and look apologetic. Bonnie merely shrugs it off, smiling in her usual dreamy way. My emotions are swinging wildly out of control. I need to fix my thoughts on the music, the beat. Shaky sings out about the secrets the door has been keeping, as Clarissa calls, reach out to each corner and kick. We follow Clarissa's exaggerated moves. Secrets, all those ones you've been keeping. I kick sharp and high. Come on now. Practice those winning smiles. Da dum de dum da da. Reach to the right. Now the left. Ladies, swing those arms. I imagined swinging for Vince. He tried to phone me as I hurried from my car to the studio. I dismissed the call, stabbing a finger on his details and hitting edit. With a flourish, I changed his name to Cheating Bastard, shoving the phone back in my bag with a small degree of satisfaction. Now I veer from a righteous fury to utter dismay and back again, like a yo-yo. Cross through. No, Janine, wrong way, dear. Oh, dear. Pay attention. La, 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 door. I force my focus on the other women. They smile as we thread in and out of each other before returning to our original places. Ruby gives my hand a glancing squeeze as she passes. When I'd called her earlier, I barely managed to stammer out my words. Monica, what the hell's happened? Talk to me. Vince, he... For years he's been... What? With other women? What the... Look, Monica, skip dance. I can come over afterwards. No, not here. Not with the twins in earshot. Okay, are you up to dancing? Well, I need to do something or I'll go mad. Besides, ladies, he has gone to a lot of effort to fit in this extra practice. Expression Paris is only two weeks away. Well, 
Get to the studio when you can. And when you do, give that dance floor hell. Lots of comments there on uh, Vagabond's reading. Uh, and Vagabond says, uh, Becky really enjoyed reading this for you. I think he's just the uh, the singing, isn't it, actually? She loved doing that. And someone else says that um, um, Vagabond chooses her readings on the amount of singing she's allowed to do, I think, yeah. So I'm scrolling back here, and um, brilliant title, says Sarah. Good reading, uh, good voice. That's Vicky saying good voice. Uh, calling uh, your authorial voice that rather than be um, uh, Bev's Vagabonds. Um, feel free realistic, says Chantal. Um, nice drawing is in without an info dump, says Pamela. Mysteries, want to know more? Uh, Johnny says you get a sense of the author's credentials, knowing her world. Good flow says Martin. Uh, good sense of character, says James. Yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. And Chantal says, proves mas mascara works. Great line. Um, and then more praise for, for Bev. Um, <laughs> well, I won't read it all out, but it's quite funny, actually. Um, I'm on the edge, says Matt, of loving this a bit quicker. Mm, yes, <clears throat> I think that's spot on. I'm a fan of this, says Sarah. Stacey says, like her, we're getting hints about Monica's state of mind before we find out that Vince has cheated on her. Yeah. Um, lovely reading, sells a piece, beautiful, said Jonna. Eva, this is very rare, all right, so mark the time, mark the day. Eva says, ooh, I do love this. Wow. Let's see if that's echoed by Ali. Um, yeah, no, I, th I thought it was a very enjoyable piece. I, I thought it had life. It was light, it was fluffy, but you had a feeling that there was, you know, underlying emotion and that there was a story to come. And, mm. and I think I had confidence that the writer would would lead me in a happy fashion through through you know a story which would actually have an amount of depth to it so no i, I liked it and i i felt it was very confident writing yeah um, i liked it that it was the first person because again i felt i was drawn in and it did have a good sense of character if i now had to write you know a number of paragraphs on what she was like i think i could hmm. um there were too many cliches um, there were quite a few in there. A couple in the dialogue, which is okay because people talk in cliches, but not so terrific in, in the holding prose. Um, I thought that perhaps some of the dance touches, you know, again, it gave a very good sense and kept anchoring us back to where we really were. But mm. I think there was possibly a little too much of that. I think perhaps that could have been a tiny bit pruned out. Um, but uh, oh, and the very last piece of dialogue was was clearly just stating that they were going to the competition and they had to keep practicing. The, you know, and it just didn't feel natural for the situation. She just broke into apparently her best friend that you know her man was having an affair or several affairs, um, and that just seemed a very unnatural phrasing. Maybe that should have come from the dance teacher. Keep practicing, yeah. girls, because we were you know we've only got Paris a week away or whatever. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's no, right. Apart from that, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'd have tried yeah. on. I would too, actually, yeah, and uh, probably not in the target uh, uh, demographic, but I definitely would get on. <laughs> Peyton says, did anyone... I might be, yeah, so it depends on how much <laughs> long I'm going to spend in bed, how desperate I get for stuff to read. Um, Peyton says, did anyone, anyone wonder about the reference to Green Door and Secrets? Yes, I, yes, actually, good, good point. And now uh, they're talking about Barbara Woodhouse, which kind of dates you, doesn't it, really? Jamie. So I know what those references are because I love Shaking Stevens when I was a kid. So it's the lyrics from the song <laughs> Green Door. They're talking about the secrets behind the door, which obviously links him with <laughs> links him with the secrets of Vince's there you keeping. There you go. Showing my age. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also not the target market, but I really, really enjoyed that. Mm. I thought it was 
yeah, Becky, you can definitely come out from the sofa because, um, yeah, uh, right all the way through, really. Thought the, the the title was probably a bit too long, but pretty good. And I'm aware that I'm not the target audience, so um, what do I know about that? But I thought the blurb was strong. It very clearly lays out its commercial position. Mm. Um, I could see you talking to somebody in you know, a publisher using that blurb. Um, it's got shaking Stevens in big hit yes. for me. <laughs> um, and um, she, overall, she had a lovely, she had a lovely. It's got a lovely authorial voice. I think it's 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 commercial writing good yeah. commercial fiction is a it lot harder like than people think it is. Yes, and, and you nailed that that voice. It's very it's concise, it's precise, um, and it's yeah. got a certain tone to it. And I think you've absolutely nailed it, which is something that's very very difficult to do. Um, I also like the way you're drip feeding the plot in. Um, I thought it was very skillfully done. Yeah, good. Really, that's really fantastic good. good yeah absolutely and the genius room is confirming that and and as they can't believe i'm not the target audience for that we're not going to get into that but we are going to look at your numbers good grief becky what a shame becky you're still under the sofa because you're missing all this bad anyway bad becky you got 80 that's unprecedented actually it's long i mean it's probably months ago since anyone got 80 so um that's we've probably seen a little bit of history made today actually actually Becky, eighty. I, th- I mean, I don't know what's going to happen next week, but I don't, don't know what's going to happen in our next submission. Who knows? But there's a very good chance you're going to be our monthly winner. We don't know that, however, until we look at our next submission. And here it is. Off color, commercial fiction from George. Hello, George. I hope you're with us. There's no QR code to scan, that's why it's all blank there. But do send us a link, actually. It's really nice to to promote your websites or whatever it is you, you want to send it us to. Oh, hello. Oh, don't worry. Hello, George, you are there. Oh, thank heavens. You're, we can start now. Good. This is George's blurb. Archie Theobald, a middle-aged and wildly unenthusiastic art teacher, would call himself a lone wolf if it didn't make him sound like such a prat. He's not depressed, he's detached. And he would tell you that there's a difference. Detached from his friends, his ex-girlfriend and his family. That is, until he receives an unwanted email informing him that his father is in hospital and that the time to reconcile, if ever, is now. And this is about George. I've been cabin crew for five years and like to use all that spare time spent in hotels and the room service as a decent excuse to get some writing done. What a good idea. I've heard other people doing that too, actually. It seems to make a lot of sense, actually, because <clears throat> you, can, you can just you know keep your writing with you at all times, basically, can't you? I think that's a, a great use of your time. I'm just starting out when it comes to novel writing, but this being my first attempt at anything longer than short stories, uh, but the whole process has been a brilliant experience. And we have, actually, as, as it would turn out, um, a brilliant reading from an up-and-coming narrator called Ali. Colour by George, read by Alison. Now, Chapter 1, from Sylvia Rushton to Archie Theobald. Hello, Archie. It's Sylvia Rushton. I live next door to your father. I know you don't have much contact with him at the moment, but I felt you ought to know that he's had a fall and he's at the hospital. It's pretty serious. 
He's been asking for you, Archie. Sylvia. Is there a single greater human invention than the computer waste paper bin? I don't think so. It's miles better than penicillin, for example. That's just mouldy bread. The wheel is pretty impressive, I suppose. Wireless headphones and self-scan checkouts are good too. But if I'm casting my vote, it's for that little animated bin. I love the sheer neutrality of it. I love the lack of judgment. Most of all, I love the freedom it affords me to pick and choose what correspondence I engage with. The animated bin does not judge me for what I place into it. Whether it is a message from a West African prince looking to move a hundred thousand pounds into my bank account, or the news that my estranged father lay in hospital waiting for me. The bin doesn't care. It keeps itself to itself. Once I drag and release something into its general vicinity, it is gone forever. Unfortunately, there are still other ways of reaching me, and people do try. There are countless messages on my answering machine from friends and family, most of whom are concerned that I am lonely. Some have gone as far as to suggest that I'm depressed. I don't think that's right, though. Depression is palpable. It is something which you can put your hands on and wrestle with. I've not tussled with any emotion like that for some time. Detached. That might be a good way to describe it. Pins and needles of the brain. I enjoy walks in the park. Alone. Going to the cinema. Alone. Cooking. Alone. I would describe myself as a lone wolf if it didn't make me sound like such a prat. What would be the equivalent of a lone wolf for a middle-aged man living in the southeast of England? Some sort of outcast fox, or a pigeon with no mates? Some Fridays, when the peer pressure builds to an unbearable level, I will attend the pub quiz with my colleagues and fellow teachers. I try to avoid this if I can help it. You might think that a group of teachers would make for an excellent quiz team, with each faculty member representing their specialist subject expertly, and covering the general knowledge between them. This is, however, not the case. The Quislamic Extremists, a team name so spectacularly distasteful that it could only have been chosen by the P department, have never actually won a quiz. That glorious vision of each teacher racking up the points in their specialist subject quickly falls apart. And before you know it, Mrs. Campbell from Geography is refusing to pay her entry fee because there hasn't been nearly enough questions about flags. The fact that the whole thing is hosted by a DJ who refers to himself as Oprah Spinfree is merely the unappetizing cherry on top of the calamitous cake. So forgive me if I'm not chomping at the bit to wade deeper into the social life which is available to me. I am not lonely or depressed. It is just that I have a routine, and that routine does not require a great deal of outside help. I hadn't seen my dad for three years when I received that email from Sylvia Rushton. That's over a thousand days. They say it takes 21 days to form a habit, so I was pretty well set in the habit of not seeing Leonard Theobald. The last time we spoke, things had gotten heated, and we both said plenty that I'm sure we would like to take back. Unfortunately, my father was getting older, and there was a very real danger that those words, and the opportunity to take them back, could well be gone for good in the near future. Okay, you can tell that um, I need to get back to bed, guys. Been really slow now. Sorry about this. Um, so let's look at the genius room. <clears throat> um, excuse my tummy to hack into your ears. Um, it's where do we start? Letter authentic, good starting point. 
In my opinion, says Hannah. Love the voice, says Matt. Loving the start, says Lana. And Stacy says, love the first line. Um, I like the blurb, says Eva, because it's supposed to put you off. And um, Eva goes and says something later. So I can well identify with this character. Quite a few people could too, I, I would imagine, actually. Detached is possibly the, uh, yeah, the new normal. Um, Martin says, you can retrieve stuff from the bin. Bin there, says James. Thank you, guys. Um, like the opening, says Martin. Ben is going on way more than needed, says Pamela. How much of this do we need to know as readers? Vagabond says, would like this to be more show and less tell and introspection. That got me, actually. The introspection for me actually turned into um, indulgence, which I don't think is a good... Um, characteristic really the soliloquy suits this character says Hannah could do with pruning though uh, and Vicky says need some action towards end need some action um, and Stacy says narrator is trying to convince us himself unreliable I can connect with that but going on a bit long and of course Ali was our fabulous narrator there so uh, what did you think as you were reading it I, I quite enjoyed reading it. it. It ran very smoothly, and I did feel I was in sort of confident hands again. I quite like the fact that it did start with email, because I think that did put context. And I, yeah. um, even though the next bit was slightly disjointed from that, I didn't find that a clunk. It, it actually felt fine. Um, but I do think it's, it's right that the whole thing did go on a, a bit too much, and we probably needed to get a bit further. Um, I quite like the sort of flashes of, of some introspection and then you know elsewhere you know that that's a slight sort of uh, moving from one mental area to another was was fine um but i also didn't have that much of a sense where we were going i mean you knew the obvious bit yeah. he was going to go and see his father you know that was yeah. clear by the end of it i don't i'd quite where we were going with the story whether we were reconnecting with an old love or it know, feels like that could be a short story or, yeah yeah going to be sustained and yeah. certainly if it carried on with quite that level of, of introspection and sort of slight depressive element i think it would have been a depressing read i like the, the bits of humor that were tossed yes in. i mean he's not depressive of course he's detached if whatever there's, there's no word for that at the moment there's no name yeah. for that <clears throat> but um that's the thing, and you know, publishing is all about publishing, not publishing, writing, uh, commercial writing is about all about the emotional journey you take your readers yes. on, it's about the emotion, and you can, you can definitely deal with protagonists who are detached, depressive, whatever, definitely you can do people all the time, but you've got to do it in a way that, that you know, does it in an engaging way with the reader, it doesn't just sort of make us go, oh, I don't want to feel like that, um, that's, a ch that's the challenge, George, what did you think, Jamie? Yeah, that, that was my biggest concern. As soon as I read in the blurb, I got the detached thing. I just thought, oh, God, I'm just going to have to read. If I was, uh, was picking up, I'd be like, do I really want to spend 300 pages with somebody yeah. who's not really connected with life? And they're either going to be very passive hmm. and the story's going to happen to them, or I'm not going to enjoy spending time with them. So I, that immediately sets my alarm bells ringing for me at, hmm. at that point. That's, there was some really nice stuff in the blurb that made me think, I think it might be all right. And then... I mean, I don't know how any of us got to this point without mentioning that Oprah's been free, because that's quite frankly genius. <laughs> like, yes, totally, that's right. nothing else, and Chrislamity streamists. Yes. Oh my God, those two, I actually laughed yes. out loud at both of those things. Yes. To get two laugh out loud <laughs> on the first page of a book is That's all right, good that's going. all right, yes, that's all right. And so I think I would, but like like you, be I just it just feels like it needs to. It was a there are some some really funny bits there, but there's a little bit too self indulgent. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think I think if you if the if the writer is conscious of the fact that that character could drag people into sort of malaise and 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 was aware of that and knew when to pull back from that um, and at the same time kept that level of humour. If I think there's probably something in here. Yeah, um, that could be could be quite good. I, I like you. I don't really know where we're going with that. I, I love the way we brought the the dad in as a kind of in, in, in at the same level as like a Nigerian princey Melo. That was good. And um, yeah, I'm a bit confused by it. I, I really, really wanted to to love it. I quite liked it. I thought there were some very funny bits in it. And I've got concerns about whether it can be sustained over a novel. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's maybe it's a difficult one, uh, you know, if the, for first timer actually, because it, it 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 is, you know, there's an there's definitely a precipice you can fall off quite easily there. Um, uh, Hannah says, of course, if the guy dies and then joins forces of Satan. No, no, we've done that already. <clears throat> and Peyton says, I thought the narrator was unreliable. Yeah. He denies his miserable emotional state and tries to rationalise it. Yeah, absolutely. And Vagabond says something interesting. If you want a detached character, don't do first person, the question mark. Would it be would be funnier if observed? It might well be, actually. Then we've got a relationship going on with with our, our author rather than direct with Mr. Uh, Depressive. Um, and Stacey says this character feels like a perfect Robin for Satan from Sub 2. Actually, it could be. Alana says, I actually love this attached shirt. Made me think of a bit of that book. Is it something about Harold Fry and a pilgrimage? I don't know. But somebody else from the genius will know. That was the feel I got. And yeah, people are late to the game. Opus been free, definitely. Um, yeah. James has an eagle eye. For you. They're reviewing you now, James. Um, uh, Jamie, James. It's Jamie. It's Jamie, not James. Um, Pamela says, uh, James, Jamie, has an eagle eye for story. Great advice all the way. Yeah, we're honoured to have you on. So, at the end of all that, we have got some numbers. And you got a 65, George, which is very creditable. Um, yeah, so hopefully you, you, you know, you found that experience interesting. You can just go back, actually, if you're with us now, I know you are. Just go back and just freeze frame and read all the comments that have come in because that is pure gold dust and that really is the heart of the pop-up submission experience nevertheless it does mean we've got a winner yeah and with 80 I don't know that you know, I don't even wait even turn up next week. <clears throat> Actually, I will, assuming I've got shaken off the disease. Um, because who knows what's going to happen next week? But well done, Becky. Such a great shame you missed all that because you're hiding under the sofa. Hopefully, somebody will tell you that you've got uh, possibly an all-time best score of 80, which is actually phenomenally good uh, with dancing fools and all that jazz. We loved it. We loved it. We loved it. And you know, George's that was no, Becky clearly has gone off somewhere. Um, but um, just, <laughs> you could tell the brain's gone there. Thank you, everybody, who's helped to uh, to pull it together today. I haven't, but you have. And uh, with the wind behind us, fingers crossed, everything will be A-OK again for another great show next Sunday. Do join us live. And please press that like button, OK? Hit it!